0: Well, good morning. I say hello to you all the way from the west side. Wow, huh? Things are going well on the west side. Your prayers and, and just, man, God's moving in this city, in this area, isn't he? He really is. And if you haven't seen it, then you're not out enough. You're not involved enough because he is, and, and we're a part of that, and it's amazing. Um, first, can we give uh, Pastor Brent some honor, too? Um, and, and just to clear things up, he is not off all summer. He has been working. He's taken a few weeks off. He's been working. He's given us the opportunity to be able to jump in for him. And I just, uh, I love our pastor because he believes in us. He really does. He believes in you. He believes in me. and, And I just... I love our pastor and I love his faith in Jesus and we just cannot be thankful enough for who he is and who he is in Jesus and his integrity and we need to raise him up in prayer and lift him up and make sure he has a good rest because we're coming into a prayer series in in August and he is hyped up and pumped about it, it's going to be good and then into a revival series in September, it's going to be a huge fall, I can't believe I just said fall Pastor Dan, unbelievable, but I did and just be in prayer and be excited about that. so I was, uh, ever since I was a little boy, I had this obsession with dirt bikes, um, and I still do, I'm still a little boy, um, even though I'm 40 almost, I know you guys are like, wow, he's 40, looks great. I was looking for a, different, <laughs> a little different response, but, um, I, <laughs> but I was obsessed with, with dirt bikes, I just love dirt bikes, and ever since I got on the back of this dirt bike with my cousin, um, he was an older cousin, he was cool, like who remembers their old cool cousin? right? No one, no one had one anyway. And I got on the back of his bike and I remember sitting there as a little boy hugging him and I had the butterflies in my stomach because he was going so fast trying to scare him. And most people would say, okay, that's enough. But those butterflies is what got me. I needed more of that. Whatever that feeling was of the speed and the danger, it's like, I need more. And I remember when I was in grade two, my father came home um, with this little Honda dirt bike. And I just couldn't believe it. I was just so excited. I remember I got on this little dirt bike and the first thing I did is I drove right into the swing set and knocked myself out. And I knew, I knew that this was my destiny. I knew that this was for me. I said, this is for me. And and as I I was on that little dirt bike and I was biking with the bigger guys and who was like this little guy trying to keep up with everybody else? Isn't that like kind of like life? We're always trying to, to keep up with somebody we can't. We're always trying to fulfill something we can, and I, and I just tried to keep up, tried to keep up, and these guys are, are learning how to jump, and I seen it just amazing, and then I was getting too big for this bike, and I kind of looked like a bear on a tricycle, Right? So so I remember seeing this old dirt bike that was a bit bigger and just begging my father, please get me that dirt bike, please. And we'd drive by it on this old highway every day when we were going to town. I lived in the country and I was like, I gotta have that dirt bike. And dad's like, ah. And then one day I remember dad pulling down the driveway and I could see like handlebars in the back. And I was like, yes. And not only was it not that dirt bike, it was a brand new Yamaha 100 dirt bike and I was freaking out. I said, this is it. I'll never have to work a day. I'm just going to play forever. I'm going to be a professional dirt bike rider. This is who I'm going to be. And I remember there was a gravel pit where I used to see these guys jump. And I used to have guys come down and and we'd be on the dirt bikes together and, and playing. And I said, I am going to nail this jump. I am going to practice this jump. And I'm going to go down in history for the guy. Like I'm going to step out of whatever shadow I was in from my cousins, whatever shadow they thought I was. And when they showed up to watch me jump, like all five of them, it wasn't that big a deal, but it was to me that I am going to nail this thing and it is going to be huge. And I remember practicing this jump, practicing it and and doing pretty good. And and I thought I was like next level. This is going to be huge. And then the day comes and we're all kind of lined up there and this guy's going to do the jump and he goes off and does the jump. And I remember thinking, that's pretty big. That's bigger than what I've been practicing, for sure. So what am I going to do? And I remember, like, those butterflies I had, and, and my little brother was there. And as I seen this guy go, my little brother knew who I was. I, you know, it, like the addict mentality. I used to be an addict, so if you guys have any idea, we don't give up. We're all in. We go for it. So my brother looked at me, and he was like, don't do it. Because he knew and I'm like, oh yeah, it's, I'm doing it. He's like, no, don't Adam, don't do it. And he's like a little guy and I was like, I'm doing it. So I get back and I remember we had like a line in the sand where it was and I went back like an extra hundred feet because more speed is better. I will go higher, fire, everyone's going to love it. So anyway, I'm sitting there and I remember thinking and it was like tree covering and tunnel and it would go down and then it would come up and it was going to go down in history. This was going to be amazing. So anyway, I'm there, and at that moment, I could say, like, I could see myself shining like out of the shadows. I was going to be the hero. I was going to be the big cousin. I was going to be the one they talked about. And I remember getting on the gas, and I remember going by the line, thinking, "This, I'm going fast. This could be a bad. So I'm going. But me, I'm not backing off. This is my time to shine. So I go and I come up the face of the jump, and I remember going in the air. And I'm, I'm in the air and I remember looking down at my little brother and he was like cute and big eyes. And, he, and I remember him looking up at me like this. And he's like, and I, and I remember looking at my friends and they're like, and I remember being up there looking at them thinking, like, I have time to do stuff. This is bad. I, and this bike is not made for what I just did. Uh, like, I had time to do stuff, like, I'm thinking, okay, what am I going to do, and the landing ramp kind of went down, and there was a whole bunch of trees on the other side, and I remember, I went right in the trees, midair, like, it was just like something you'd see on TV, like, just the leaves were all there, and I just, poof, and I vanished, like, midair, and and all of a sudden, it's quiet, there's nothing, right, I don't hear them, and I I land, and I'm thinking, like, okay, I'm all right, this is good, and I'm thinking, like, this, this is dangerous. Like, they think I'm dead. I'm scratched up pretty bad, and I'm thinking so. But it's like, this is my time. Like, I killed... No one's going to do that ever. Who in the right mind is going to beat that? And I'm not missing out on this opportunity to shine for me. Like, I'm coming out of the dark, out of the shadow. I'm getting all the glory for this. And I remember walking out of the woods and seeing my, my little brother looking, and he's like... And I'm like... So I'm walking out, and it kind of was like the scene like a Rambo. Like, that's what I felt like with the big explosion behind me. And I'm walking... I'm walking out, and, and my buddies are like, and I'm like, yeah, it's good, no problem. And, and at that moment, I was like a hero, and they're all high-fiving me and the whole thing. And my brother, though, he knew me, and he's seen me do stupid things, and he's seen me get hurt real bad, and he's also seen me hide the hurt. So he knew something was up, and I remember as the guys were kind of leaving and we were going, because I needed to get out of there because something was going on, and, and I remember my brother saying, hey Adam, are you okay? And I'm like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm okay. And, and the title of our sermon we're going to talk about today is kind of turning off the dark. And, and the reason I use that, because we go into things and we hope those things are actually going to turn off the pain. When we get a little bit of glory, they're going to turn that off. And what I didn't tell you in that story is when I landed, I hit my face off the handlebars. I had a closed face helmet and went down and I pretty much knocked out all my teeth. The only thing that saved my teeth was my braces. Right? My braces are all hanging off, and the blood's going everywhere, and I'm like, I'm good. And speaking of braces, I was 12 years old-ish. I had red hair. I had freckles. I wonder if my mom and dad just kind of looked, and my dad's, hey, Kay, how can we make this worse for him? (laughs) Hmm, Let's put some braces on him. That'll help, right? They should have just called me Sue and sent me off. Anyways, the, the braces, so they're hanging, and at that point, I'm telling you, that fame and that glory of winning the jump, I actually didn't even really remember that until about two weeks ago when I started to prep for this. That, that the glory that I had and how I felt, because the pain kind of went away, but, but the glory never covered that pain. And many of us in life, we go through life hoping that the things that we bring on ourselves, the things that we're going to do, life, money, whatever, is going to bring light into our life. That it's going to cover up the pain and the hurt, right? Over and over that we do these things. We do these things that we're hoping are going to cover the darkness in our life. And I'm not even talking about total darkness. Like some of you guys are thinking, well, I don't have much darkness. I'm talking about like shadows in our life. Shadows, like Jesus comes into our life so we could totally shine, right, for him. And yet we have shadows in our life and we do things over and over and we chase it. Yet it still doesn't fill us. It does not fill us. So question, how do we turn off the dark? You need answers. How do we turn off the dark? How would you turn off the dark? Turn off the west is way smarter than you guys. You turn on the light, right? And who is the light? Jesus, right? So how do you turn off the dark? That's right. Turn on the sun. You go, man. Anyway, turn on the light and Jesus is the light. See, I I believe and in my own journey and the journey that I've seen and the people I've come alongside, and even when I worked in retail and I worked electrical, and now I'm even a pastor, which is hard to believe. But anyway, um, I believe it's not about turning off the dark. Because I don't even know if we can turn off the dark. But it's what we bring into our darkness. See, it's we we try to cover our darkness. We try to cover our darkness with the pleasures of life, the pleasures of this world, relationships. And and when we do that, things can get real bad. And many of us turn to, when we cannot cover that, we bring more into it. And see, when we turn to, and that's when things can get bad. Like we turn to food to fill us, we turn to work to fill us, we turn to friends and relationship. Some of us end up in addiction, depressed, anxiety, worry, fear. And those things start to control us and they start to control us, and we're covering that up, and as I was prepping for this, there was one verse in Mark, we're in our Mark series, and there was one verse, I just couldn't get past it, because where I was at in my life, where I was at in my life, like I transitioned out of sales, into addiction, out of addiction, into addiction, into church, into pastoring, into electrical work, and sometimes I just, I just don't know which direction I'm going, right, who can relate, we just go from here to there and we're, and we're doing it. And I, and I just felt a heaviness on me. And as I was reading through this, I came across the parable about the, the lamp in the stand in Mark. And, and I just couldn't get past the first verse and not even explaining the whole parable. I love how Jesus uses Scripture sometimes. When we read it, it just sparks a thought where we are personally. And this, I was just so passionate. It just gripped me. It just gripped me. And it says in Mark chapter 4, verse 21, Then Jesus asked them, and and I just ask that we put our name in there. He asked Adam, who would light a lamp and put it under a basket or under a bed? Of course not. A lamp is to be placed on a stand where its light will shine. And as I read that, I just couldn't get any farther. And there's so much more in that parable. And, And it's just an amazing amazing parable but I couldn't get past that I was just sitting there where I was at just feeling discouraged or feeling frustrated and and I was just like like why I'm, I'm I do this for a job why can't I feel fulfilled all the time Jesus why can't you fulfill me and then as I read that I said you know if there's light and then there's a covering in this verse it's kind of like a good and an evil and maybe I'm covering that light And I just couldn't get past it. I said, Adam, I said, maybe I'm covering this light that I say I have inside me. That's going to give me fullness. So why am I doing this? And I kept reading in the same parables talked about in Matthew, the same parables talked about in Luke. It says again, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. No one lights a lamp in Luke and hides it or puts it under a basket. John 1.5, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. John 1.5, God is light in him. There is no darkness at all. And light, light, light. John 12.46, I have come as a light into the world so that everyone who believes in me will not remain in darkness. See, I know as a church, and most of us and myself, I know and I say it and I quote it and I believe Jesus is the light. I do. Then why do I feel dark sometimes? See, like I said before, I don't believe it's about the darkness. It's a believe what I, I believe what I bring into the darkness and what I try to do to fix that darkness. And many of us go through life trying to fix it. See, Satan is trying to convince you that surrender to Jesus equals less in our lives, not more. Satan will always try to convince you when you surrender that, it equals to less, not more. When I start talking about my secrets or giving up things that are going to free me or that covering that's covering that light, that bushel. I don't know what your bushel is in your life, but it doesn't have to be something so dark. It can be little things that's just distracting you from what Jesus wants to do in your life and wants to do in your family through you. So for me, I was saying, what is that bushel? And, and, and I just came across a verse in uh, 1 Peter 5, um, verse 8, I believe we have it. It says, Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion for someone to devour, stand firm against him, and be strong in your faith, and I was reading the light in the basket, and then there's, like, we read these verses, like, oh, it's a lion roaring around to devour me, like, do you know what that means? Like, go to the zoo and get in the cage, I I dare you, like, it'll be a great illustration, I promise I'll use it, if I could video it, but, like, that is, like, Sometimes I believe when I read the word, I only want to believe the light and I disregard the darkness, but I want all the benefits of the light, but I don't pay attention to who is around trying to distract me from this. Satan is trying to convince you again, that surrender to Jesus equals less in our lives, not more. And we become like a dimly lit room. Many of us shine, we come and we worship and we enjoy what God's doing in our life and the transformation that happens. Yet we're dimly lit because we don't want to surrender some things and it just causes distraction. We, many of us in life, including me, and I'm not even going to say many of us, all of us in life have things in our life that cause distraction. Fear, worry, anxiety, and I believe most of them stem from fear. Fear is very broad. And in my own life recently, I just started to realize that I'm a bit of a scaredy cat. <laughs> I, I started to wonder why I do these things. And I started to look at the deeper root and they started to stem back. And many, of, many of us as Christians, we have things in our life. Like, what, what are some of the struggles? Y'all want out. What could this be for you? None. Wow, let's go home. Pain. Work. Lust. Shame. Worry, inadequate, like there, there's a bunch, fear, anxiety, de- depression, and we have all these things in our life, and, and they just get to be so much, and they start to pile up, and they become like a bushel in our life, and there's more and more, and the more I try to put these aside or ignore them, the more they get, and eventually we just get totally out of control, and then we end up like this, and and our life is just jam-packed with things that we cannot control, and yet I come to church and I believe in Jesus, and I I wanna shine for him, but there's a bunch of stuff in my life that I'm not willing to show anybody. I'm not willing to reveal any of this, but I want the promises of what God has for me. This is a bushel. And then we try to do this. You know, a friend like Micah might come and say, hey Adam, how you doing? I'm, I'm doing good. If I could, yo, I'm really good, man. If I could just tuck these in, maybe I'll get a friend. Okay, just a second, buddy. I'll tell you how, okay. If I could just suppress this. And you guys know how frustrating that is? Like, picture this in real life with your issues. You're trying to suppress these things, and now I'm trying to raise my hands in worship. Right? My bushel, it's burying the very thing I became a Christian for. And it creeps in because Satan is, he's around like a lion to destroy you. And he's so crafty, so crafty. A little argument with my wife or, or loss of sleep or fear or, or our kids. We worry about our kids. Like my kids are going away to camp this week for the first time. And I'm like freaking out, right? I am. Like, I, I just, like, I honestly don't know what to do. I'll probably show up in the bushes. But anyway... <laughs> I I just uh, like they're my boy and and you know what that's and it's a healthy fear but it's a distraction right and I'm not saying we're not going to have these in life because we are but what it looks like when you're trying to suppress those is it totally distracts you from what God wants to do in your life there's no way that you can move forward with a whole bunch of suppressed a whole bunch of things that are buried down deep inside you that you believe that disqualify you from what God wants to do in your life those very things that we're trying to bury, the very thing that you believe is, is, is just overwhelming, the very, this is the thing that is actually going to free you up. Like the, the thing that you're trying to bury is the thing that God is probably going to use to set you free. The, the exact thing, this here little thing that, that is keeping you from experiencing that, I'm not going to tell anybody about this, is the exact thing that he's going to use to break you open and show you a whole new world. And I've seen it over and over and over again. That when we start to reveal these things, when we start to allow people to see who we really are and understand that God accepts you for who you are, you really start to break free. And that's what that verse said to me. It's like, Adam, what is your bushel? Why are you hiding this? Like, no one lights a lamp and puts it under a tree. Like, Jesus is the light of the world. When I received him, I believed, the reason I received him is because I believed he would set me free from everything. I listened to the preacher, and I heard, and he said, chains will break, and everything will be free. And I came, and I accepted him, and then we suppressed these things, and we don't give them up. The exact thing that was keeping me from experiencing him was was the thing that was going to set me free. But oh no, I'm not willing to give that up. When you receive Jesus, he takes over. And that's why it gets so messy and confusing because he wants to free you from all of this. He comes in, he takes over, and when he takes over, life looks different. And I believe one of the things that's keeping us, I believe the thing that is keeping us from experiencing what God has for us because we're going to have this in our life. Jesus says troubles will come. Like like He's overcome the world, but they're going to be there. So how do I deal with these and worship him and I believe the only answer for that is we need to understand grace and we preach and we talk about grace a lot and celebrate recovery we talk about grace 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 and you need to understand what grace is and I believe a lot of us say yeah I understand grace I believe but we really haven't experienced grace and allowed that to come in and take it over and celebrate recovery uses this thing and we're going to go through it quick and it's grace and the first one it's spelled g-r-a-c-e bam pretty good hey you can remember that And and the first one is G, and there's an acrostic for each one. If you can remember this, and when it's all up on the screen, maybe take a picture. Put it in your phone, and I go to this, and I go to this, and I've got it memorized now because I just keep going. The first one is, is it's God's gift. Grace is God's gift. You cannot earn it. There's nothing you can do to earn it. The only thing you can do to earn it is say, Jesus, I want it. That's it. And you have it. It's a free gift, and we all need it. God's grace is a gift. He died for you. It says in Romans 3.24, all need to be made right with God by His grace, which is a free gift. They need to be made free from sin through Christ Jesus. If my relationship with God was dependent on me being perfect, I would have trouble relating to God most of the time. It's not about being perfect. And when you start understanding grace, it's when you start moving forward. The next one is you're accepted by God's love. You're accepted by God's love. Sorry, received by faith. Skipped one, can't spell. It's received by faith. No matter how hard we work, you cannot earn your way into heaven. No matter how hard you work to suppress these, no matter how hard, if you believe that you put these away, that that they're just going to disappear and go away, and and if I do more in the church, if I serve more, then then God's going to receive me accept me. He receives you by having faith in Him. Confess with our mouth, Jesus has received you and He loves you. God's way of making us right with Himself depends on faith, counting on Christ alone, Philippians 3.9. You and I tend to be more interested... In what we do, God is more interested in what we are. This one for me cracked me really, just broke me. We are accepted by God's love. What? Like, I'm I'm accepted? He accepts me like this? But what about this? I love you, Adam. I see that. I was accepted. I realized I was accepted, and once I realized I was accepted, I knew he accepted me the way I was, and he was calling me to more. That those weren't blurring his vision of me, they were blurring my vision of him. And I began to free up. You are accepted, and there's one way to accept it, and that's the cross. It. I know I don't deserve God's love, but I'm so glad I have it. And the sooner I was able to accept that, it took a lot of years for me before I saw some real truth and started attending and under Pastor Brent's teaching and about grace and through some stuff at Celebrate Recovery and understood that God's grace was the basis of my faith. And I was accepted right where I was at, and there was nothing I could do to make him not love me. Christ paid the price. Jesus died on the cross for all our sins, all our wrongs, and we are forgiven. He paid the price. You don't need to. Stop beating yourself up for the mistakes you've made. You don't need to pay the price. He did it once, that's it, it's done. We accept it, receive it by faith. You're accepted by God's love. He paid the price. I stop trying to pay the price you feel so guilty. I felt so guilty in my family. Those that don't know my story, it was years of addiction and and just selfishness. Even in my work without addiction, it was just about me. I wanted this. I wanted that. And my family got second best. And that guilt and the shame, even sometimes when I look at my boys, I just feel so shameful of what I might have missed or what I could have done different. And even in my marriage, and that stuff can just bury you. But Jesus paid the price for that. And I got to stop, I got to stop trying to pay that price with my guilt and my shame and trying to make it right there. The only way I can make that right is to bring more of Jesus into my family. The only way I can make that right is to remove the bushel from my life so I can be a husband, so I can be the better half for my family. I need to be a better husband than my wife is a wife all the time. I need to be better than her at everything. That's, that's what it has to look like. And that's what Jesus was for us. He paid the price. Everlasting gift is the last one. And in this, it, that's what it is. God's grace is an everlasting gift. Everlasting gift. There's nothing you can do for that to disappear. See, something has to happen. Something has to happen in here before anything out there can change or last. Whatever you're doing in your faith walk, your journey, if something hasn't happened in here, it's not going to last. You know, and everything I do out there reflects on what's in here. Grace, change. It's not just an every grace, just go do whatever you want. That's where this comes in. Something changed in here. It changes you. It's not a self-help thing. It's God's love and His grace, and it'll transform you. We make mistakes. I remember when I couldn't tell the truth, when I couldn't tell the truth, God was there and He loved me when I couldn't tell the truth, he was there and he just came in and it was an everlasting gift. And, and just even when Julie and I first started in ministry, it was just bad. Like I, I just being transparent with my family today, it was bad. Like, I, like the everlasting gift, you know when I learned about this gift, how I learned about it? Is teaching at Celebrate Recovery, going home and, and, and punching holes in the wall. Like what? Like God, who am I? I get up, and I say these things, and I go home, and I can't even be there, and, I, and I'm so angry, but I understood that it was God's grace, and that's not who I was. I learned how to crack fill. It was one upside, but anyways, <laughs> I, uh, I, would, I would come home, and, and it just the anger would overtake, and I, and I realized how much he loved me, and I, and I I started to understand that as I was just angry and frustrated, yet I would come and I kept digging in and I kept opening in his word and I realized that, that that did not disqualify me because I was around healthy people and that this was an everlasting gift and God's grace was big enough to cover all my shame and my hurt. And as bad as that hurt, I would, I would punch that hole, I would hang a picture over it and off to church, right? And uh, I have tons of pictures all over the place and we put them back and, and it would just be angry and it was turmoil and it's not funny, it was insane. And the lies and the overwhelm, but I knew that those lies would dwindle and I knew that God's grace would overpower that if I kept following him and he would call me to more and call me to change. And he did. And he did. As embarrassing and as shameful that was, you know what, just by me saying that encouraged somebody today. Like this encouraged you right now. The person that is angry and doing the same thing, he loves you. And by me saying that, my light shined, I uncovered my bushel and you got some help. It's an everlasting gift. It doesn't change. I love what it says in John chapter 8, verse 12. Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. Not your car. <laughs> not the Harley I want. Not more money. Not that relationship. Not that girl. They're not the light of the world. They'll bring some light in. And Jesus will give you passion and purpose. give you your desires when they line up with his will. But he is the light of the world and if you follow me, you will not have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. You won't have to walk in darkness. He is the light that leads to life. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness. Once we understand grace, we're able to start to free up God's going to start to change you. He's going to start to transform you from the inside out. Things are going to start to look different. He's going to come in and he's going to take over. And it's going to feel like a little bit of sandpaper. And it's going to get a little scary and it's going to get a little rough. And some things start to happen once you understand grace. Some things like like turning off the darkness, like those things are going to leave the cover up. The, The bushel starts to have cracks and holes in it and the light starts to shine through it. And, and you start to shine, and, and you need to run with that. You need to believe that that little bit of darkness left that, that's not even who you are anymore. That's the old you, and that doesn't exist. You're picking up something that is dead, and you don't need to go there. And, I, and it's easy for me to say, and I go there and I pick it up all the time, but that grace overpowers that, and some things start to happen. And the first thing that happens when I understand grace in my life is he turns off the dark and he turns off the fear. The fear in my life, the things that used to consume me start to leave. It says in Psalms 27:1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Don't understand fear for a fearful situation. Don't understand fear for a fearful situation. We're going to have situations that are scary, and we have things in our life, but the fear does not overcome me. It doesn't overpower you. Things are scary, and that's when we have the knowledge to bring God into it, and he turns that down. He turns it down. Last night, I'm in bed, and, and this is an example, and we just start spinning. I didn't sleep well last night, and it's probably because I was coming to see you guys today, and that's good, but we just start to spin, and thoughts go in our mind, and we start thinking, well, I can't do this, or this, or I need more of this, and we start spinning, right? And we start spinning, and what happens when you start spinning? You get dizzy, and what happens when you're dizzy? You lose focus, you lose focus, and, and when that happens, when I allow fear to creep in, how am I supposed to be free of Fear. Jesus wants to come in and free you of that. Fear can cause selfish motives, and as we step out of fear and believing that God will change you, you can't just pray to God, hey, God, take the fear away and then not take the fearful step. Like, God, I'm scared to death of this, but I'm trusting you to to move me out of it. Like, God, remove this fear. that hasn't changed God removes that fear and He gives me the energy and to, to go in and to move forward. Just uh, this week, I was sitting, um, I was walking around and I keep seeing this, this man over and over. And I see him. And you know what I mean when you see that person? It's like, ooh, like I know him. Like I said, I worked in retail for a lot of years, I was an electrician for a lot of years. And, and now I'm working in the church. So I'm just thinking, okay, I know this guy. What's this from? And I'm a little nervous. Like, first thing is, he could recognize me from an electrician. That could be bad. Um, or lots of other things that could be bad, but it was that unsettledness. And I knew if I let that unsettledness, every time I go, I, got, I took it farther back. You start to avoid it. So I said, you know what, I'm done. I said, hey, where do I know you from? And, and he's, I said, electrical? He's like, no. I said, this, no. And he, and he goes, because he knew, he goes, pharmacist? And I was like, oh, jump it. I was an addict, right? So I'm like, oh, no, pharmacists weren't my best friends. And uh, at that moment, I was just, I could have made a decision and been like, yeah, sure. But at that moment, I, I just said, you know what, this is what God's been doing in my life, and, you know, I I gave that up, and God's been really working. And and the guy didn't, you know, accept Jesus right there, but I was a light, and he was asking about it. And, like, shine for him. God will use this exact thing to free you up. And and the more you do it, the more strength you get. It's not going to just leave. Like I said before, last time, I'm a process preacher. I believe as you dig into God's Word, He's going to start to free you up, and the fear will start to go. You know what releasing fear looks like? Releasing fear sometimes looks like a coward to the world. When I'm able to sit with a friend and I'm weeping, the world would look down on that. That's how you release fear. When you sit with a brother or a sister and you start talking about what's really going on in your life, that's how you release fear and there's power in it and you'll move forward. Next thing is he turns up the fire. The fire in our life. I love that. The darkness goes and there's a fire. Who remembers when they first got saved and there was that fire inside you that just could not be contained? You didn't even know what you were talking about, right? You were so theologically bent you had no idea and God used you anyway. You just went out and said this and quoted verses wrong and did all this and you're just on fire but it was contagious and people knew that there was something in you and it transformed me. I remember that's why I got saved, I got saved so I could tell others about Jesus. And over the past few weeks, I started looking and say, Adam, where are you? What is going on? Like, this is why I put the Spirit in you, so you could go and help others. And you need to start showing people this. You know how many people I've led to Jesus because of this? Every single person that has come to faith that I've talked to is because of my hurt. I tried to think of one that didn't everybody that I sat and prayed with was because I was transparent. And it was so scary. And the fire came on me and it started to change me. And it lit and I got ignited and things started to change and the fire, and He puts that in us. You know, the fire is so powerful. And Jesus came to baptize us in the Holy Spirit in fire and it will transform your life and you you won't be the same but some of us get caught up in the fire and it's so healthy that it's just life-changing but we revert back to the fear because the fire dwindles because we're not getting the substance right the, the fire calls for more and more is from his word and I believe the next thing is that not even in order but he gives us like a foresight he turns on not fortune teller but like a foresight where God starts to pull stuff in and we start to learn. You know, it says in Psalms 119, 105, your word, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. His word, his word, open his word. This becomes it. That's where I learned the stove is hot. Ow, ow, ow my whole life. Ow, 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 ow. Like I learned that the stove is hot. And if I don't dig in and get more knowledge and hang around people that know way more than me about the Bible and teach me about it and correct me when I'm wrong, I'm going to go fire, fear. Fire, fear. And now I have a knowledge that I know I need to dig in. I remember I was sitting with a friend, Chuck, and... uh, Julie calls. We were doing a fundraiser, and, and, and she's like, Adam, I need these tables in here, and he said, I'm like, those tables aren't going to fit in there. Like, we need to move them up here, and that's not going to work, Julie. This isn't going to work. Like, I even mattered, but anyway, I'm just like, this isn't going to work. This isn't going to work, and I hang up the phone after a few minutes, and my friend Chuck looks across me, and he says, you know what, Adam? It'd be a whole lot easier if you just did what she said, <laughs> and I thought, it'd be a whole lot easier if I just did what Jesus said, 20 years of my life, I fought that. What's the hardest thing to do? Open the Bible and read it. Right? What's the first thing that goes in your day? God gives us a foresight. I started to understand what happens if I don't read this. You know, I I, I thought through my life and through those 20 years of pain and hurt and hurting people, I thought I lost everything. Little did I know I gained everything. I thought I lost everything and and the things that mattered to this world were gone, but through that I gained so much. And as I gained His love and His wisdom and, and knowing that I needed to apply this roadmap to my life and I needed to open it and allow it to speak to me, I started to change. 1 Peter 2, 9-10 For you have been chosen by God Himself. You are priest of the King. You are holy and pure. You are God's very own. All this that you may show others how God called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. God calls you out. Of whatever darkness, whatever you're putting over that lamp that is going to give you life, God is calling you out of it, and I can tell you He's calling it. He's calling you out of it by revealing those things you're suppressing, and He is going to use those. And as He starts to use those, things start to change. And I was sitting with with a friend, and and he was telling me. He said, "Adam, I don't even know what love is." So I don't, I don't know what love is. And he gave me permission to share. He says, "I, don't, I just like, what is love?" Like, he's been coming, he's been faithful, and he's digging in, and I love the questions that he's asking. He says, says, you know what? He says, I was beat my whole life. Beat my whole life, told I was worthless, made steel for my parents, incarceration. I was told I was worthless, and I was beat my whole life. And you know what I did? I beat people for the rest of my life. How can he love me? And you know what? As he was sharing that, he was freeing up. As he shared that, It lifted me up. As he shared that, you know, in in all of this, all it takes just one drop of Jesus. And when you drop that one drop in, things start to happen. And this exact thing that it's like, God, you want to use that? It starts to turn to sunlight. Right? And he starts to transform those. And those are still there, and they're they're still consciously in our mind. You know, there's things I think of that are just burned in my brain that just don't seem to go, but God transformed those to light, and he starts to transform them. And there's more, and there's more, and the sunlight, and and those things that were under a bushel now are light, and they're giving me life. Like, how can my addiction give me life? How can your depression free you up? How can your anxiety free you up? Like, Like, how... Bring Jesus into it. Allow him to shine on it. Allow him to free it up and he will use it. If you sit and talk to somebody about your problem and go home and punch a hole in the wall, I can tell you, you'll get better. Come back and talk more. And he'll start to turn those into light and they start to overpower. And there's a whole bunch that starts to come and all those hurts and all those shames become sunlight. And all those start to overpower. And there's a whole bunch of light on top of that. A whole bunch of light that just frees you up. A whole bunch of light that just consumes you and every problem that you thought made you worthless and unqualified you gives you strength and power and it will break those things off you so if you have money use it for him if you have family use it to shine if you have a nice car use it to shine I'll shine in it anytime if you have <laughs> If you have an addiction, use it to shine. If you have a depression, use it to shine. We're gonna sing a song here at the end and it's called, For the Sake of the World. And as Jay was going through the worship list, that song was just on my heart. And, and as, I, as I just listened to it, it says for the sake of the world. And I just said for myself, for the sake of Lincoln. I don't know who that person is for you, for the sake of Sawyer, for the sake of Julie, for the sake of Seaside. For the sake of my marriage, I will shine for him. I won't keep this stuff covered up anymore, and this will free you. So how do you turn on the light? How do you turn off the darkness? You turn on the light, and Jesus is the light, and he will free you up. So as we sing this song, I'm just going to ask you to stand. If you have somebody that you could put in that for the sake of, and maybe it's you, for the sake of, I'm going to ask you to stand. Stand. If there's a person that you can put in for the sake of whoever, I'm going to ask you to stand right now and we're going to sing this song. And I know that's everybody in here, so stand up. Like we have somebody. That was like a, like a given for me. I knew it would work. <laughs> that, that we have people that we need to shine for and Jesus is going to free you up. He's going to use those things and he's going to realize like my addiction, your anxiety, your depression, your money, your car, whatever, it looks like this and we start to give them away and it starts to free me up. So for the sake of my friends, for the sake of my boys, and for the sake of you guys, I'm not gonna put a bushel over my light because I know that's where my freedom comes from. God, we love you and we praise you and we thank you for who you are, God. We're asking now, Jesus, that you would just as we worship and as we sing, God, that we understand that you are the one that made us whole, God, and for the sake of the world and for the sake of my friends, I will not contain, I will not suppress the light that is in me. God, I I will allow you to reveal those, those dark corners in my life because I know that's where you want to shine. Your light shines in darkness and it overcomes it, Jesus. And we thank you and we praise you for who you are, God. And as we just lift a voice of praise and as we just love you this morning and as we just shine for you as we go from here, God, I pray that we can remember that your grace is enough and it's sufficient and it's strong in my weakness and you shine through my weakness and you use my weakness and your power is made whole through my, my weaknesses, God. And we thank you for that. Jesus, for the person that doesn't know you this morning, God, I pray they receive that grace maybe for the first time and their life is transformed, God, and they start to shine for you right now. In Jesus' name, God, I ask for wholeness. I ask for healing, God. I ask for love and joy and peace in our life, God, and we get that for shining for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, we hope you enjoyed the message today. If you want to stay up to date, go ahead and click subscribe to follow us on YouTube. And hey, if you wanna partner with us in getting these messages farther, you can go to our website and find out ways that you can give and help us get the good news of Jesus further than ever before.